Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We've been talking about living by faith, and today we're talking about the graduation of faith. Uh, We've been looking at the fruit of faith, the the substance of faith, the focus of faith. We've been looking what faith looks like uh, in our life. But today we're going to talk about if we have lived the life of faith, what is it that we look forward to? Um, You know, you go through any program, you always look forward to graduation uh, for different reasons. There's, There's Positive and negative. Sometimes it's, I look forward to to graduation because of all the opportunities I'm going to get because of that. But sometimes we look forward to graduation because I just want to be done. Have you ever felt that way? I want to be done. And so, you know, that's going to be an awesome thing. Well, we're going to talk about the end of faith. Sometimes we live by faith, but the great thing is there's coming a day, like the song says, and it's, it's not in the Bible I looked, Uh, But uh, the song, It Is Well, talks about there's coming a day when my faith will no longer be needed because I won't need faith, it's going to become sight. I won't have to have faith in Christ, I will be able to walk with Christ. We will be able to see him. This life of faith will be over and we will enter in to simply a life of joy and and, um, uh, purpose and meaning with God himself. And And sometimes we look forward to that, but sometimes I just want to get there because I'm tired of this life. It's hard. And we know that. We talked about this, and and we're going to read this because we need endurance. That's what faith is. Faith is the endurance to get through. Uh, The sad part is, and it's a sad part for many of your friends if you've been in things. How many know that there's those that you go through that you know didn't graduate? They went through all that time, and then they never finished. And that's the sad thing. It's not even worth it. You don't even get to graduate. And, and, and so this is what God is saying. Don't be one of those ones that don't make it to graduation. So let's hold on. Let's persevere. Let's, let's be those who endure. And I know we don't like it. And it says discipline and, and the life of faith is not easy. And sometimes it's painful. Okay, But in the end, if you allow it to train you and to, to uh, lead you, in the end you will receive the promises of God, and it is worth it. So let's read our scripture in Hebrews chapter 10 um, that has been uh, our, our text of a call to faith. He said in Hebrews 10, starting verse 36, you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. There it is. You need to endure You need to have faith so that in the end you get what God has promised. Because here's the the truth. There are some that are not going to receive. You are not guaranteed to receive the promise of God. It is only for those who have endured. It doesn't mean you earn it. It doesn't mean you do something to get it and you're better than anyone else. It is something that Jesus did for us, but it's up to us to take hold of it, to receive it. It's like any gift. You've got to receive it. And we need endurance to make it all the way through to the end. For yet a little while, it's going to take a while. This walk of faith is a while. But, but in a while, the coming one will come. And he will not delay. That means it's going to be quick. When he comes, it's going to be over. Don't wait. It's not going to be like, okay, I'm going to give you 48 more hours to get your life ready. No, that's not how it's going to happen. When it comes, he's not going to delay. It's going to 
happen. It says like a thief in the middle of the night. It says a trumpet like in the twinkling of an eye. And so we need to walk the walk of faith now. You need to make that choice now. It says, therefore, my righteous one will live by faith. So here's the the thing. If you're going to endure, you need to live by faith. And if he shrinks back or if he gives up or if he gets caught up in other things, it says, my soul has no pleasure in him. God says, I'm not dying on the cross for someone who, who thinks that this is nothing important to them, that what's more important to them is, is a, a night of fun or, or time with their friends. If, if that's all it means to them, it says, I have no pleasure in that. You, you're not even desiring what I have to give you. But here's the thing. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. But we are those who have faith and preserve their souls. And so this is our goal. This is what we've been talking about. We want to be those people who have faith. And that means sometimes we got to give up some things. But I give it up because I know there is something better. My faith tells me that, that if I endure, that, that what God offers me is way more than what this world offers me. And so, um, we've looked at faith, and, and chapter 11 goes into uh, an example of others that have lived that walk of faith. They chose to walk by faith, and we looked at what does that look like. Um, We looked at the example that they gave us because faith is not just believing. There's a lot of people that sit here that that say, well, I believe in Jesus, therefore I have faith. That's not faith. That's a belief. And people say, well, I even believe Jesus died for my sins. Well, good, because Satan does too. And Satan does not have faith and Satan is not going to make it to heaven. Um, And so it has to be more. Faith is not a belief. Now, it starts with a belief, but it is uh, it is a choice to live a certain life. And so we looked at this. This is the, the, the five things that faith is. First of all, it does believe, but it believes in God's power and passion. I believe that God is able to save me, and I believe that God loves me and wants to save me. And I'm going to believe in his power, and I'm going to believe in his passion. But then I'm going to trust in him. Not only do I believe, but then I put my trust. See, a lot of people believe but they don't trust God. We got to trust God's purpose and his promises. I trust in his purpose, his ways, not my ways. You see, when he tells me I can't do that, I got to trust that he knows what he's saying, even though I don't agree. Why does he say I have to do this? Why does he say I can't do this? I got to trust his purpose. What he says in his word, I've got to trust that he knows more than me. If he didn't know more than me, then he would not be a very good God. He can't be a God who could help me in my brokenness if I could just tell him the way I think he's wrong. We need to trust in him. But then faith acts. Faith responds and says, I will live by your principles. Because I have faith, I will live by the principles that God has given me. If you say you have faith, but you don't live by the principles of God, you don't have faith in God. You don't trust in God. You just want God to give you what you want. You're treating God kind of like uh, the government that you think you're entitled to my rights. That's not what God is. We don't have any rights. It is God who has all the right, and thank God he doesn't demand his rights because he is the creator of the universe. You think about what rights he has on your life. What if God was to come to you and demand from you everything that he deserves from you, being your heavenly father and creator? Have you thought of it that way? 
And yet we demand our rights all the time. So therefore, we need to act on his principles. And then that brings us to the last two major parts of faith is faith treasures God's presence. You see, true faith is actually a passion. It's not just a, an intellectual argument. If you don't have a passion for God, the one who loved you enough to die for you, to pay for, hit the price for you, and if you don't treasure that, then his promise is not for those that don't pr- treasure it. If this isn't important to you, you know, hey, I- I'll give it to someone who does value it. That's why we need to begin to value God, treasure his presence. You need to realize how important God's presence is, and that becomes the treasure of our life. More than our own pleasure, more than what we want, more than temporary satisfactions, do we treasure God's presence? And then finally, are we willing then to sacrifice? Are we willing to make sacrifices for God's pleasure? You know what, when you begin to truly have faith in God, it pleases you to give something up to please God. You know, we do it all the time. Those that we love at home, you love your children, you make a lot of sacrifices for your children, and it's because you want to please them. And sometimes you need to stop doing that. In our earthly sense, we try and please our kids too much, when many times the greatest thing for them would be to train them, but still you know what it is to sacrifice for pleasure. Okay, um, uh, if you're an athlete, you know that you will sacrifice for your coach's pleasure, for your coach to say, that was an awesome job, you're going to start next game, right? You want the pleasure, you want the recognition of, of the one that is important to you. Well, it's the same thing in our life. True faith is not something you believe, oh, I have faith, it's just, that's my philosophy of life. True faith is saying, God, I want to please you. I want you to be happy with me because you are the treasure of my heart and therefore I'm going to sacrifice for you. So this is what faith looks like. And that's the focus of faith. It is all about Jesus. We know the author of our faith is Jesus. We look to Jesus. He's the one that gives us our faith. He's the one that helps us when our faith runs low. When we feel like we can't go on any longer, we know that it says that, Look to Jesus and remember Jesus, what he did for you, that he paid the price on the cross so that when you feel like you're ready to give up, you just remember what Jesus did for you. And he'll give you strength. And it brings us to the last thing today. And so we're going to pick it up in Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 18. And it finally comes to what is the end of faith? Why are, why are we doing all of this? What is the goal of our faith? Hebrews 12, 18 says, For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched. Now he's referring to the children of Israel when faith brought them up out of Egypt. And they came into the promised land and, and began uh, their, their new life of freedom in God. But we know that that faith brought them to a mountain where God was. It brought them to where God was. It was a, an actual mountain. And we know that God's fire came upon it. And, and uh, he spoke uh, out of the, the thunder and the darkness. It says, you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire, and to blackness, and darkness, and tempest. So what is he saying there? He's saying um, that the end of faith, faith ends 
not in this world. You see, he says, you did not come to a mountain that can be touched. You see, there are things in this life that he has, that he is, brings us to. And for them, it was an actual promised land. It was the mountain of God that they could touch it and they can see it. But our faith, the final end of our faith is not in this world. God wants to understand. Faith is not about getting things in this world. And I know, see, there's the problem. A lot of people will teach faith and it's always about healing and about getting that job and getting those things. And, and does God want to give those to you? Yes, he does. But that's not the end result of faith. If that's all your faith is for, just so that you can, I'm going to just believe God for this, and I'm going to believe God for that, and I'm going to claim this, all those things in this world, if that's all you think faith is for, if that's the end of your faith, it says then you are of all people to be pitied. Because in the end, if that's all your faith is for, if you're satisfied with that, then you are going to be left behind because the things of this world are not lasting. The things of this world are going to be going away. Everything in this world is, is contaminated with sin and brokenness. We make the best of it, and the things that we enjoy in life, think about all those things that you enjoy in life. You know, there's, there's vacations and times on the beach, and those are great, but you know what, they are filled, you can feel the brokenness even in the middle of those things. Uh, there are things that it never lasts. You know, that night when your vacation is over, isn't that almost like the worst night ever? I'm going back home. Right? It almost steals all the, the, the good part that you enjoyed of that, and you try not to think about it. But that's because the things of this world don't last. Um, we say that the greatest thing in life is people. And it is. Relationships are people. But how many know that we've all gone through it? At some point, you will say goodbye to the person you love the most because we know that death is waiting. Nothing lasts. So it may be great for temporary, but faith is not meant for just something temporary. God has something better, better. But the end of faith is not in this world, so let's stop making faith about this world. Let's begin to have a bigger vision that, that I love this world, and God will add those things to me like we talked about during worship, I'm gonna, but I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God, and then he'll take care of all those other things. And I'll have moments of pleasure because God's a good God. And he'll give us pleasures in this life. And he allows us because he did create this world for our pleasure originally. And so we can, in moments, get glimpses of God's goodness in this world. And he wants you to enjoy your, your family and vacations and, and, and uh, all the things that we do in this world. But we need to look higher. The end of my faith is not in this world. Faith. The things I believe for and trust for and treasure for and the reason why I live in such a way and I'm willing to sacrifice because faith is not at a mountain that I can touch. But here's the other thing. It goes on and he says, not only did you not come to a mountain that you can touch, but it says also you did not come to the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged the word should not be spoken to them anymore. Now, what is he talking about? 
that even when they came to this mountain, a glorious mountain, they're like, I'm free from Egypt and we are coming in and going to the promised land. But at the mountain, they came face to face with God and all of a sudden they realized God is bigger and more frightful than we ever could imagine. And when they heard him speak, his voice was like thunders and lightnings. And it says in verse 20, it says, They could not endure what was commanded. And it was even told them, If so much as a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned or shot with an arrow. So terrifying was the sight that Moses himself said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. You see, when they came to that place that they thought they wanted so much, we want to be with God, we want to be free, we want to be the people of God. And yet, they realized who God was. That God was a God of holiness. And all of a sudden, they realized who they were. And all it was, was a realization of judgment. That God is just. And if God is just, then he is going to judge us. How can I come into the presence of God? All of a sudden I realize that I am nothing. And I deserve nothing but judgment. But you see, here's the thing. When we have faith in God, no longer are we coming to a God who looks down at us and judges us by our own worth. Now, some people, they want that. Well, I want to, I'll live my life, and, and at the end of my life, the good will be weighed with the bad, and if I have enough good, I think I'll make it in. You are so deceived. Because, see, here's the problem. You think somehow that the good in your life is going to outweigh. There, it says that there is none righteous. No, not one. There is not one person who your good will ever outweigh your bad. And let's be honest with ourselves. Do you know your intentions? You know the thoughts that you have. Yeah, you might live an outwardly good life, do kind things and everything, but if we were to look at the true emotions and thoughts of your heart, how many times were they of greed or envy or bitterness or selfishness? Even though you didn't act on them, you know that your heart is wicked. David, he says, he says, my heart is wicked. I know it. If I'm, if I'm honest, now here's the problem. We're just not honest with ourselves, And we think those other things. You need to understand that, that there is none righteous, no, not one. And if we want to live a life that we'll just let it be judged, you do not want to stand before God in judgment. But here's the great thing. Our faith does not end in judgment because it's not about what we do. That's why Thank God I live by faith, that I trust in God, because I'm going to fall on his mercy, and I am going to treasure him, and therefore it is not about me, and I will trust that God's mercy will outweigh his judgment because I walked by faith. But if we do not live by faith, if you reject living by faith, or if you live by a peripheral faith, just a nominal faith, I'll just call myself a Christian. I'll say I believe in this. But you are not living by faith and you will face judgment. And even Moses says, I am exceedingly afraid to stand before God. But if we will live by faith, judgment is not the end. And this is where we can thank God and we can praise God that I do not have to face judgment, not because I've earned it, 
but only because I have put my faith in God. It says that I have not given you a spirit of fear, but one of sound mind and of love. Because if you have received my love and if you begin to love God and follow him, then we receive that spirit of peace rather than of judgment. It says in Romans 8, chapter 1, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ. But the question is, are you in Christ? That means living in faith. So what is it? It's not in this world. It's not in judgment. But now here's the final thing, and this is where we rejoice. It says, we've not come to those, but, I love this but, verse 22, but, You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. When he talks about Mount Zion, when he talks about um, the living God, he refers to what Jesus has done for us. That Jesus stepped in and he took that judgment on the fiery mountain of God. Um, And he has paid the price so that now we do not come to the place of judgment, but we come to Mount Zion where Jesus has stepped up and invited us in. And by his blood, he has adopted us into the family of God, into a place of innumerable company of angels. It says that when one person truly comes to the Lord, and surrenders their life and accepts that salvation. It says that millions and thousands of angels celebrate. They rejoice. It is a party. It says we have come to a celebration even of angels. Think about that. We have come to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to God the judge of all, to the spirit of just men made perfect. You see, we, we talked about that, that the purpose that faith is not easy is because God is perfecting us. doesn't mean making us perfect in what we do, but he is finishing us up. That as we live a life of faith, even through endurance and through perseverance and through sacrifice, it says then we can stand before the God, the judge. Because, you see, as the judge, he looks upon us as the spirit that has been made perfect through faith. And therefore, we do not receive what we deserve, but Jesus stands in front of us and says, Father, I've paid the price. They're covered. They're paid. They're cleansed. We have been made perfect. What a great end to know. This is where we're going to hear this this word, not guilty. How many have been caught? You You know you were wrong, and you got caught, but somehow... You got off the hook. Was, what was that relief like when you heard this? Okay, well, never mind. Here's the great word you, you hear of this. And here's what we all deserve. But we like this word. I'm just going to give you a warning. How many have ever had that? I'm going to lift my hand more than once. You haven't even driven yet. You don't know. We know when you get that little light behind you in the car and you get pulled over, but then you hear those words, okay, I'm just going to give you right? The best feeling in the world. You go driving almost like you're all that. It's like you know that you got caught. You should have gotten that ticket. This is what Jesus says. 
you are going to be made perfect. We are the end of faith. The endurance that we're enduring is so that one day we will stand before God and God's going to say, I'm not even going to give you warning. I'm going to call you perfect. No, you're innocent. That you are going to be received as Jesus was. Because it is not our righteousness, but as Jesus' righteousness is given to us so that we are loved by God as one that is in Christ. What a relief that's. You are going to have the greatest feeling if you will live by faith and you stand before God and God says, well done. Really? Yes, well done. I know I wasn't well done. But thank God, because of faith, Jesus will give me that word. And there will be such relief and joy to know that you are free, that you are uh, uh, set free from any consequence. Not only that, but it says, you, we have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Now we know that Abel was killed because he gave a sacrifice that God accepted and Cain hated him for it. And yet, the sacrifice that Jesus made is even better than the one that God accepted from Abel. And we have come to Jesus who gives us that, that covering, that blood that sprinkles and cleanses us and makes us loved by God. It says, See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice shook the earth, but now he is promising, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, so that the things which cannot be shaken will remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So what is he saying? He's saying not only are we not receiving this world and we are not receiving judgment, but what we are receiving is joy, but also newness. It says, God promises that once more I'm going to shake this world. Now, here's why that's a great thing. This world is broken. I don't want to inherit this world. Some people just want this world to be made better. I just want this. If you want this world to be made better, you don't understand how much better the new world will be. Jesus promises there will be a new world, and it will be a world with none of the brokenness that we have in this world. He's going to shake it. He's going to shake it so those things that, that don't last will be gone. It's kind of like you shift the flower to get the lumps out. God does not want to give you a life for eternity that has lumps in it. He doesn't want that ha even little grains that you might have to deal with later. God is going to shake this world so that the only thing that remains are the new things that God has for you. For those that have lived by faith, he says you are going to receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You'll receive a life in a new world, not in heaven floating around on clouds. We are going to receive a new world. We're going to have actual physical bodies. We are going to live a life that we were created to live. This is the end of our faith. 
that if we will have faith in God, there is an eternal life with people, you know, laughing, eating, playing sports, music, all the things. I don't even know what it's going to be like, but it's going to be like this world, but new and without brokenness. How many look forward to that? So much more than what this world can offer. So let's stop. So it says, it gives us a warning. So it says, therefore, if you're receiving such a great life that God has promised you, don't give it up for things that don't last. Why are you going to sacrifice your faith just because this seems so good right now? Don't give it up for some friend or, or, or for some job or for something that's going to be only momentarily and then it corrupts your faith. Don't fall for those things that, that, that your own heart desires. But begin to say, God, discipline me. Let me endure. Let me hold on. Let me look to Jesus because I trust that God, what is coming is so much better than this world has to offer. But it's hard because this world deceives us. Remember Satan in the garden told Eve, oh, don't believe God. Look at that fruit. Look how good it is. And see, the problem is we can see that fruit, but we can't see what God has promised. You've got to begin to trust God that what is promised is so much better than what you can see. But if we will have faith, if we do not refuse God, it says don't refuse God. And if they had judgment who refused him then, how much more is he going to refuse us if we reject Jesus himself? So therefore, let's receive it. It says with reverence and godly fear, with joy that is to come. If we will begin to live by faith, the end is going to be greater than you ever believed do you trust that are you living for that so true faith is not just believing that if you want that end then we need to understand that then we need to do more than just believe but we need to begin to to trust it we need to begin to act on it we need to begin to treasure it. We need to begin to sacrifice for it because everything is for the promise of God. And the promise of God is God himself. That we will come to God who loves us without condemnation, covered by the blood of Jesus in complete love if we will walk by faith. So let's today keep moving forward in our life of faith. Let's live by faith because the end is just the beginning. The end of faith is going to be so much better than the end of a life of selfishness. The end of faith is the greatest place. It is the greatest graduation because when we walk that graduation aisle, when we walk that stage and receive that, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be greater than any graduation that you've ever been to. That one, we don't want to miss. Maybe now, like me, we don't look forward to those things. You will not want to miss that graduation. Because after that is a graduation party. 
That's better than any graduation party you can ever imagine because angels are waiting. God is waiting. All those that have gone before us, it says they are a great cloud of witnesses that they're waiting because they're waiting for us so that we all party together in the presence of God. Are you going to be there at the end of faith when our faith becomes sight and no longer do we walk in endurance, but we are going to walk in joy and in newness of life? I'm looking forward to that. And I don't want to miss it. So let's endure. Let's make it. And let's help one another make it. Let's bring each other along uh, for that graduation day. Let's pray.